Hey everybody, it's Rob. Welcome to Enjoying the Journey podcast. I hope your summer has been going well and you're enjoying the warm days, longer nights, and memories being made with family and friends. I just love summer. But I start to get a little down after the 4th of July because it seems as though summer slips away even faster. And this year particularly, I've been trying to avoid July 18th. Why? Because that's the day my wife and our girls take our son and their brother, Jager, to leave for basic training in the National Guard. You know, I haven't been away from my son for more than 10 days in his life. Now he's 18 years old, so I haven't been away from him for more than 10 days in 18 years. So for the first time, I won't see my son for quite a while. It will be the longest time we've been apart since he's been born. I'm excited for him, but also I'm trying to fight back the feeling of missing him. Isn't it crazy that we can have the feelings of excitement and sadness all at the same time? But it's time for his journey to start, and I can't wait to hear about it along the way. We just never know where God will take us, and today's episode is one of those. It's full of twists and turns as our guest, John Gordon, finds Jesus and his purpose in life. I sure hope you enjoy our time together, and as always, I hope you find a little more joy in your journey. So excited to be back with you today on Enjoying the Journey. We have a special guest that I got to meet recently in our own little small town of Sheldon, Iowa. And uh, we are so excited to have you on the podcast today. John Gordon, thank you for joining us. And uh, if you would, I'm sure some of our listeners already know who you are, but if you would give us a little bit of background on John Gordon, that would be awesome. Well, Rob, it's great to be with you and meeting you when I was in Sheldon, Iowa was, was awesome. I really enjoyed meeting you. I love that visit there. That was a lot of fun and a really special time in, in many ways, meeting some really great people. I loved it. And it was one of my first events speaking in person in a while. So it was really soul nourishing in a lot of ways, being around people. I realized I really missed people. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. I actually like people. I realized, you know, yeah. I've been being quarantined for so long. Oh, I like people. I miss them. That's and true. so grew up in Long Island, New York, in a Jewish Italian family. A lot of food, a lot of guilt, a lot of wine, a lot of whining. Uh, dad was a New York City police officer, undercover narcotics. Grew up very normal, middle, lower middle class family. Parents never made more than $30,000 a year you know, with their, with their jobs and their work, but saw my mom work, my dad work and really played a lot of sports, was very athletic, basketball, football, baseball, wiffle ball, <laughs> working out, uh, played uh, in high school point guard of the basketball team, running back on the football team, and then played lacrosse starting in my ninth grade year. We'd go on to college to play lacrosse at Cornell University, had incredible experience, Met so many great people, friends for life. Teammates are forever. Uh, my coach, Richie Moran, had a huge impact on me. He is a Hall of Fame coach. The Hall of Fame is actually named after him, which is pretty cool. So he was a great leader, a great coach. And then uh, graduated, and that began my journey of trying to figure my life out for a while. Actually, it took me a while to really find my purpose. I didn't really find my purpose of writing and speaking until I was about 31, 32 years old. Wow. Yeah, I, I got in the restaurant business. I got my master's in teaching. Mm. I bartended, waited tables, 
opened up a bar when I was 24, started a nonprofit called the Phoenix Organization. We raised money and volunteer, volunteered for youth-focused charities. Met my wife about three weeks after the, the bar restaurant opened up. I um, ran for city council, lost the election, thought my life was over, realized it was just beginning. Sometimes you have to lose a goal to find your destiny. And from, yeah, and then from there, would uh, go to law school, drop out after a year and a half, went to go work for a dot-com, thought I was going to make my gazillions. My fortune had 80,000 shares of a rising company. Mm. We sold the NFL on NFL wireless. So we helped them deliver scores and data to wireless devices, which was unheard of at the time. So we did that, which is pretty cool, but we weren't making money. So again, so like, so like so many companies, we crashed. And then from there, I remember thinking, what am I born to do? Why am I here? Mm. What is my purpose? My wife almost left me. I was so miserable, so negative. And we could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And I realized in that moment, I have to live my purpose. I have to do something where I'm making a difference. Trying to make money is not really what drives me. I want to make an impact. Mm. And I realized I was supposed to be a writer and speaker. And I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And that began my journey of being a writer and speaker. Yeah. How did, how did you come to that conclusion of, I mean, how did you wake up and go, yeah, I can write. I, I can speak. I've, I've done these other things, but but what inspired this? I didn't know. I just said, God, why am I here? Like, mm. I prayed. What is my purpose? What am I here to do? Why am I so miserable? And literally writing and speaking came to me. It just came to me. Like God spoke to me, not in an audible voice, but in, like, in a knowing. Like, okay, got it. I'm going to write and speak. I never thought of that really before. Like, I'm going to write and speak. I'm going to do this work. And I decided in that moment, I was going to do it. My friend said to this day, he remembers me telling him I'm going to write and speak. And they were like, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, he's like, you just said you're going to do it. And you started doing it. And I didn't know I could write and speak, but I'm going to try. Oh, when, I did the, when, when I did the Phoenix organization in my 20s, I was always speaking at the events, okay. rallying young people to get involved, to make a difference. We would have a monthly meeting. Mm -hmm. I would talk initially, introduce our guest speaker. So I was rallying people and talking to that crowd who was there. And I remember I really liked it. I was energized by it and I loved making a difference. So to me, writing and speaking was gonna be an avenue to do what I was already doing with the Phoenix. Yeah, and, and you said, you, you know, God spoke to you. So did you have a faith at a young age or did that come after? You mentioned also that you and your wife uh, had some rocky roads and she almost left you. Was there faith involved at this time or? No, there wasn't. And that's part of it. I was really struggling because I didn't really have a lot of faith mm -hmm. because I was so miserable and negative because I didn't have God in my life and I needed God in my life, but I didn't know that at the time. Right. And so I was trying to do it all on my own and struggling in the process. So I really needed God, didn't know it. We often resist the most what we need the most. Now, I did believe in God. I was bar mitzvahed as, you know, as a, you know, someone who my mom and dad wanted me to understand my Jewish heritage and faith. Although my dad who raised me was Italian. My stepfather technically oh. was, was Italian and Catholic. Although we never went to church or temple, but they wanted me to have this crash course bar mitzvah <laughs> to understand my heritage. So I remember doing that, but we would celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah and all these different things, but it was never really about religion or, or God, it was about family coming together and more about food than anything, really, if you think about it. Now, I remember praying and being outside as a kid, looking at the stars, 
laying on the grass and knowing that there was a God, feeling God's presence, knowing that God cared about me and was watching me in a sense. I had this knowing that there was a God that was involved in my life. So I had that. But when my wife almost left me because I was so miserable, because I was so negative, because I lost my job, because not because of that, but because my world was crumbling and I was fearful and stressed and anxious and not being a great husband, not being a great father and really just trying to just survive, just mm -hmm. trying to somehow make it, worried about my future, worried about providing for my family. So it all came to a, a crashing halt where I realized I couldn't do it on my own. And I remember when she did that, I prayed, like, God, help me, mm. help me. I, I need help. So I did cry out to God, but I didn't really have a faith still. But I said, I just, but I did believe in a God and I, and I cried out to God. Now I had been also a new, new ager in many ways. I was practicing Buddhist meditations and things like that. So I was meditating and praying. It was a very eclectic mix of like God <laughs> of the Bible and yet also Buddhism and meditation, sort of like what a lot of people sort of seem as they're seeking and, and searching, right? Sure. You think it's awesome. You think this is, this is it, right? And you're close to it, but you're not quite there. And so for me, that's what it was like. And again, I don't condemn anyone who is on a journey like that, right? It's a journey of faith. It's a journey of life. And so the meditation actually led me in many ways because I would start meditating and I started to see a glowing cross after a while, like mm. in my stillness, I started to see a glowing cross, which was pretty wild all around the same time where, you know, trying to get my life together after it was falling apart. A friend of mine gave me some sermons. I listened to these sermons by Erwin McManus, a pastor and out of LA. And it really spoke to me. The sermon was called why I follow Jesus. And that really spoke to me. And as I listened to that for the first time, I said, okay, maybe there is something to this Jesus. Maybe that's what I need. And ultimately I realized I needed a savior because I couldn't save myself. My strength wasn't strong enough. I wasn't good enough. I needed a greater power. Meditation wasn't giving me eternal peace. Chanting and all that other stuff wasn't really working. <laughs> I, I, I was doing all the different stuff, but nothing worked. But I needed, I needed a savior. And I really believe that God would, would, would want to save me. He would want to take my burden, take my pain, take my, my past, take my anxiety, take the things that were holding me back, my depression and my, my fear, all of that. So it wasn't a crutch. It was really understanding that there was a God and God loved me and God wanted to uh, live through me and take all the pain that I was dealing with and take my past and take all the things that were holding me back so I could live my best life. And those messages really spoke to me. But the coolest thing was I wasn't sold like when I heard the message right away. And I remember saying, God, if there is something to this Jesus, show me the signs. So I was driving down to Orlando and I actually started to speak at this point. So now I'm speaking, giving mm -hmm. some talks. It's not going really well, but I'm speaking. And my marriage is getting a little better, right? It's not great, but it's getting better. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting better as a person because I'm starting to read books. I'm trying to be more positive. I'm listening to the messages and sermons and I'm driving down to Orlando to speak. And as I'm looking to the left, I heard, look, and I turn to the right and there's a sign that says, Jesus is the answer. <laughs> and that happened like several times, which is really wild. If you drive on that same road now, there's another sign that says Jesus is still the answer in case oh. you're forgotten. So it's pretty funny. But I started seeing these signs all the time. I go see a Buddhist energy healer, Don Van Vliet. 
I have a lot of problems with my stomach and colon and health issues. I go visit him. I said, Don, I'm seeing all these signs that say Jesus is the answer. What do you make of it? He's like, oh, John, yeah, of course, that makes sense. Jesus takes our heavy vibrational energy. He said, you can't connect to a perfect, harmonious, energetic God if you have this heavy energy. So Jesus takes your soul pain. He takes your heavy energy so you can now connect with this perfect, energetic God. So it made sense to me. I'm like, I get that. I said, can I take someone else's soul pain? He goes, can you handle your own? Ah. He goes, Christians call it sin. He said, here's the thing about Christianity and Jesus. You believe and you receive. He goes, it's spiritual cheating because you don't have to do anything. <laughs> he said, with me, he said, I want to see if I can attain enlightenment. So I'm trying to do it on my own, but I really want to see if I can do that. I walked out of there recognizing why would I want to try to do it on my own when I believed in a God that would want to take my soul pain or my sin as what he says Christians call it. And so I connect to God. It made sense. See, I needed to understand this in terms of energy because I saw the world in terms of energy. Mm. That's how I saw it. I wrote an energy book called The Energy Bus, right? right. And so I've always seen the world in terms of energy. I still believe and know we live in an energetic universe e equals MC squared. We are energy. Energy is just the creation and the mechanism of which God has used to create our universe and to create our world and to create us. We are nothing more than energy, but God created us and he is the creator of the energy we have. So it's not like they're one or the, like, like you can't talk about energy and God. Yes, you can talk about them together. You know, one day I'm going to write a book called Einstein, Jesus, and the energy of everything that brings it all together because that's how I saw the world. So when he explained it to me in that way, it made so much sense. Of course. Oh, yeah. So I said, I'm going to give this Jesus a shot. I walked out of there literally saying, I'm going to give this Jesus a shot. Not the way most people will, you know, find Jesus through a Buddhist energy healer. Right. But, but that's how it happened for me. And that really changed my life. And then from there, I wanted to be a better husband, a better father. That's when I wrote the energy bus right after that. Next mm -hmm. thing you know, all these ideas for these books start coming to me and God starts to speak to me in a powerful way. I feel wow. a greater intimacy and connection to God. You see, the sin was removed. The, the burden was gone. I'm now more connected to the creator of the universe. There's now an intimate connection. I believed in the father, but I needed the son to remove the burden and the pain so I connect more intimately to the creator, right? And that's what happened to me. Now there's this intimate connection and all of a sudden I'm receiving these ideas and this wisdom and this purpose that God has for me. And it wasn't meant to happen earlier. It had to happen now at this time in my life. And that's when everything changed. And my wife and I you know, wrote a book called Relationship Grit, where we talk about our journey. We talk about my faith journey, but we talk about our struggles and our problems and how she almost left me. And then we talk about, you know, issues along the way that, that, you know, almost destroyed us in our marriage, but we stuck together, we stuck it out and we made God the center of our marriage. At some point, I would say 10 years, almost 10, 15 years after our marriage, we finally made God the center of our marriage. And once we did that and create a covenant, the covenant was where we were going to stay faithful, you know, forever, not just to each other, but to God, we had a covenant with God that we're going to be faithful. And that really made a big difference. Wow. Wow. In marriage, because I'm sure we have some listeners listening. How long have you guys been married? 23 years now, actually 
going on 24. 24. What was one of the hardest things you guys had to kind of work through? Well, early on, it was just that we were so different. And then I was just so you know negative. And we had to work through just our constant fighting all the time. We were both very strong-willed, independent people. And we had a lot of fights. So we had to learn how to just fight, you know, and not... Um, not stay angry, you know, and, and yeah. not let and not let bitterness take hold and just be there for each other and, and be selfless for each other and love each other. So we had to learn how to fight uh, in a healthy way and something that didn't, you know, keep us from going to bed angry. So we had to learn how to do that. I would also say, you know, just my issues that I had in our marriage early on of being jealous and mm. and my own negativity and not being positive. And I was, you know, with the kids when they were young, I was always nervous and concerned that something bad was going to happen to them. And I was worried and I was like a nervous, a nervous Nelly, you know? And so I would say that was something that we had to overcome the kind of anxious energy I brought to the situation a lot. As my faith matured, as I matured, as I, you know, became more settled, more confident in who I am and, and really worked on being a better dad and husband, I got better. But early on, I would say those were some of our, our big struggles. Like I would come in and like see my daughter across the street and be like, watch out for the cars. You know, like mm. I, I was always on edge and I was not pleasant to be around. Uh, did, did you uh, did you ever feel like if something were to happen, it was because you were being punished? I guess in some ways I would think that, you know, I believe in the New Testament and Jesus and love and forgiveness, but right. I, I do have a little Old Testament Jewish yeah. in me. <laughs> where, you uh, know, where I'm where I'm like God's, yeah, I do have a little bit of the Old Testament Jewish where like I feel like God's gonna like if I don't if I don't do the right thing, God's gonna definitely bring me down. But I've also experienced that like the minute the minute I might get a little confident, right? God right. Will, will, will God keeps me humble all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. remember, John, who's in control and who the, right. where the power is. Like, he keeps me humble, and I don't think it's done by accident. Like, he keeps me humble and hungry, and I'm okay with that. Like, I know God's God, and I'm not. Right. No, that is that is good. Is that how you kind of work through the anxiety and stuff? Is is just more of God's faithfulness and trusting Him and seeing more maybe of the new testament and remembering the old testament but but holding on to the new testament yeah if you read my book the garden i talk about how the word anxious literally means divided mm. so at its greek root word anxious means divided so when you are anxious you actually feel divided you feel separate from god you feel separate from the creator so for me prayer and trust is a huge part of connecting with God. So whenever I find myself getting anxious, like I did in the beginning of COVID, and I found myself concerned about the future, uncertain about what would happen, a little anxious, I would simply stop, breathe, pray, and say, God, I trust in you, God. I don't have all the answers, but I trust in you. And in those moments, I would find faith. I would find a spirit of strength and power and peace. Nice. And I would really find peace in those moments. So for me, when I'm anxious, it let me it lets me know that I'm not trusting in God. Right. It lets me know that I'm not connected. It lets me know that I feel divided. I feel separate. And so unity is so important. Uniting to self, mm -hmm. uniting with others, having a fellowship with others, and then a connection to the creator of the universe. And that prayer life is so important. And that trust and surrender. See, for me, it's 
prayer, trust, and surrender. Like I surrender, I clear out all of the sludge in my pipeline, right? I surrender, surrender. So that, and I trust and I allow God's spirit to now move through me and flow through me because I've repented. I have let go of that pain and that burden. And now I allow it to move and flow through. So it really is about trust. Yeah. I, I, I was just reading Max Lucado. Uh, He does a little daily devotion and he was talking about how hurt people hurt people. But then he said this, and this really got me. He said, loved people, love people. And he said, have you, then he asked this question, have you been allowing God to love you? And so when I was asking you about being anxious and all of this, when you focus a lot on the Old Testament, you get scared, the fear of the Lord, right? If you do this, but you don't do it right, there's times he wiped people out. I mean, duh. And so all of a sudden you get scared. So when I was reading this and Max Lucado said, have you been letting God love on you? I'm like, I hadn't thought, you mean God wants to love me? I'm always trying to earn something, even though I believe in the saving grace of of Jesus. And I know when you were talking about meeting Jesus and him becoming a part of your life, you said something like, "He, I believe God wanted to. He wanted to take that away. He want, What a great place to be. To, to- I, re- I receive God's love. I have a childlike faith. I really do believe God accomplishes the impossible. I do believe anything is possible with God. I do have a childlike faith that there is a God who loves me mm-hmm. and we have to receive that love. I think so often people don't receive it. God, God loves everybody, but people just don't receive it. People talk about self, self-love. You got to love yourself. You got to love yourself. They say you can't love yourself if you don't believe that God's love you. Why? Because your love is imperfect. You are not, it's flawed. It's only as good as you are, but God's love is perfect. God's love is what created the universe. God's love is what created you. It is so much more powerful. So receiving God's loving, knowing that God loves you is so much more powerful than self-love. Self-love comes from understanding that there is a God who loves you, created you, and has a plan for you and a purpose for you. So that's the key is receiving it, understanding it, and and walking in that love. Mm -hmm. And I think so often people have been hurt in the past. They have a parent or parents that didn't love them, so they never received the love of a parent. So they find it really hard to accept and receive the love of 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 a father, of a heavenly father. I often say, you know, the lack, the fact that my biological father left when I was a year old, that caused some abandonment issues, but that led me to receiving the love of my heavenly father. So those issues actually led me to a place where I received that love. So I think that's what we have to move to. We have to move from fear of rejection, fear of not receiving it or lack of trust to trusting in God and and receiving that. A lot of times we're saying, God, Show me and I'll trust you. And God says, trust me and I'll show you. Amen. Yes. Yes. And he also, in my experience, likes to kind of show up in the 11th hour. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Like <laughs> when the impossible seems like it's it's uh, not going to happen, somehow, some way, he makes the impossible possible. I see that all the time in my life. And there are moments where we forget, right? It's like the Israelites you know, walking through the wilderness, God does miracle after miracle. And yet they keep on forgetting the miracles and turning their back. And I believe we do the same. It's like the miracle just happened six months ago. And we forget that 
Yep. There's so many miracles in our life. So many signs that we see along the way. We got to remember them. And in our human condition, we forget them. But also I believe because there's a spiritual battle going on where the enemy tries to make us forget. The enemy tries to fill our, our minds with fear and doubt. The enemy owns the airwaves of, of this world, media airwaves and yeah. all sorts of airwaves. And so we've got to make sure that we're listening to the right voice, listening to God, not the negative voices. Absolutely. With all of the books and ideas that God has, has given you, I think I read something like 23 books you've off, authored now or somewhere in that. Yeah, 20, 24 now. The one with uh, PJ Fleck that just came out, Row the Boat, was nice. number 24. Do you have a favorite out of 24 books? I would have to say training camp is probably my favorite in terms of a story about overcoming fear, finding your faith to be all that you're meant to be a story of an undrafted rookie trying to make in the NFL. I just love that book. Real special Damian Lillard, who is in the NBA superstar. He read that book twice before his rookie season to remind himself how hard he would have to work to be his best. And so it's a, it's a fable about excellence, but it's also about overcoming fear and finding faith. I'd say also the garden is probably one of my, my newer favorites. The carpenter people say is my best work mm. and the energy bus is by far the most popular, but power positive leadership is something that's really growing a lot of ways. And we're doing a lot of training and leadership programs for companies and organizations. And so even though I'm, you know, I'm a person of faith, the power positive leadership is a secular program where we work with a ton of, of companies, organizations, sports teams, and schools to really infuse them with these great principles to be a great leader and build great teams. That's awesome. Now, when you started writing and with your faith and everything, did you know it would go in the leadership direction or not necessarily? Yeah, my faith came later with, with stories. So I initially started with leadership in, in okay. that direction. Yeah, my faith writing came sort of later on, but Energy Bus is not really, although I mentioned God a few times, it's really not a faith book, although there's yeah. a lot of spirit in that book. Got it. by far my most popular book and just you know it was a wall street journal bestseller the last couple of weeks 15 years after it came out you know we're talking 15 years later that's awesome yeah pretty pretty cool when you think about it, it came out in 2007 wow. and it's still impacting organizations and teams i wrote it in three and a half weeks of, of god's inspiration so i knew god wanted me to write that book and definitely a special book so i wrote these books no complaining rule shark and goldfish positive ways to thrive through change soup building a culture of greatness training camp and then the seed which is a little more of a spiritual book finding your purpose and happiness in life and work and then just started writing all these different books and row the boat is about pj flex story about how he overcame you know the death of his son and created row the boat and then was able to use that to build incredible programs at Western Michigan and then Minnesota. Yeah. So power of a positive team, how to build a strong, great team. And so, yeah, different books, different. And then the, the garden's really recent where I talked about that's my first real faith book is the garden. It's like, like where I overtly put it in there. First book where I mentioned Jesus is in the garden and talk about the garden, what happened in the garden gets reconciled on the cross and talked about that at the end, how they all fit together. Like the, the story of Genesis, which is an ancient Jewish story, but how that connects to the message of Jesus and how it connects too perfectly to be an accident. Like yeah. the whole story is meant to be one woven story together. And we're living out that story. That's awesome. So when you started writing, did you ever feel like I got to write one? I'm only going to write one 
one book. So it's got to do extremely well. Or did you know there would be more books? Well, I got to say this. My wife might listen to this. You asked me my favorite book. Relationship Grit, the one I wrote with my wife, has to be my favorite, no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) We wrote that together. Yes. So when I wrote when I wrote Energy Buzz, I remember my publisher said, I want to I want to be able to do 10 books with you. And I laughed. I thought 10 books. I don't have 10 books like I, right. I, I no way I thought I was going to write 10 books. I just wrote the energy bus. Sure enough, 24, 24 books now. And, and do you ever fear I'm going to run out of an idea to write a book? No, because they keep coming. That's awesome. Like, I keep getting ideas. God keeps filling me up with books I know I'm meant to write. And I've got another cool spiritual book I'm going to write soon that is going to be epic that I've had since 14 years ago, I've been waiting to write this book, waiting and waiting and waiting. And I believe now is, is going to be the time. And I've got about three or four others in my head. I've got one I'm working on right now. So pretty excited about like what is coming and well, my best work to be ahead of me, not behind me. Right. So I want to continue to evolve, but I'm only going to write if there's something to be said. So I'm never going to write just to write a book to make money. It's not about money because as an author, you don't really make a, a, a fortune off of, off of books, but I love writing and I, and I love to, to be able to say things that need to be said. So that's why I'll write. That's awesome. And then, you know, obviously God has put you on some amazing platforms. You've been able to share and speak with companies all around the world. Who, who's somebody that you just absolutely loved meeting or had a huge impact besides the coach that you brought up earlier? Besides like Dabo Sweeney and Clemson football, because definitely that's that, super cool. Yeah, he's definitely you know, all time favorite in terms of working with him for the past nine years, speaking okay. to his team every year, developed a great relationship. First time just going there, just being so impressed. I told my friends, hey, this guy, Dabo Sweeney, look out. He's an incredible leader. They remember me telling him how great he was before he hit the national radar, before he won national championships. I said, this guy is special. Eric Spolster with the Miami Heat is just awesome. And mm-hmm. there's Sean McVay with the Rams, who I you know have a good bond with and, and love Sean. Dave Roberts with the Dodgers, the manager, he's been incredible. We're talking, um, you know, so many, uh, Chip Kelly, who I've developed a great relationship oh, with over the years, coach at UCLA, you know, just a wonderful guy, great guy. You know, I know, I know you're not going to like to hear this, but, you know, Matt Campbell, I got a chance to meet. He's a great coach at Iowa State there. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> go hard, go hard. But yeah, Matt I, Campbell, that has been exciting to watch. You got to, yeah, you got to appreciate him, even if you're an Iowa fan, right? You got to appreciate right. him and what he's done there because he's a he's a great coach, he's a great leader. So you got to you got to appreciate that. And then, um, you know, I meet so many different. You know, Derek Fisher spoke to the LA Sparks just recently, and then Corey Close, the women's basketball coach at UCLA, and Sherry Cole, coach of Oklahoma, and all these incredible uh, coaches. Just you know, love connecting with them, learning from from them, and picking their brains as well. Oh, I love it. And and I remember when you were in Sheldon, you brought up Dabo and, and that's just super cool. You could see it nine years ago before you could see it in him, just being around him and hearing him. And what, what, yeah, you, what? you knew, you knew he was a great leader. You knew he had this incredible optimism and belief. Is that why I was going to ask you what makes him special? And that's it. huh? His incredible faith, optimism and belief. And then definitely love and accountability the way he leads with so much love and accountability like he's going to drive you he's going to push you but you know that he loves you and the combination of the two the drive but the love makes a player feel loved but also know they have to push themselves to get better 
man, it's the combination that leads to greatness. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I know we're running out of time, but I do want to ask this because we call it enjoying the journey. What is maybe one of the uh, biggest challenges you've experienced? Could be lately, could be early on, just any anything that you may be wrestling with. I think this past year just brought up a lot of challenges and struggles in terms of what does the future hold, fear, uncertainty, but my faith grew stronger than ever during this time i mean it really did and just seeing the incredible miracles that came out of it yes there was pain yes there was suffering but there was so many positive things that came out of it so i would say that was a really difficult and dark time but it was also a time where the light shone through and where the light definitely overcame the darkness and you saw god's faithfulness And i think it was a time where we saw who was faithful and who wasn't faithful mm-hmm. and we saw who believed and who didn't believe who lived in fear and who didn't and so i think there was an opportunity there for for people to rise up rise ministries right <laughs> I like to rise and shine and i see what matthew west has done right and you see during this time, you know, he did the, the quarantine song. He created yep. new songs and a lot of great videos with his family and spent time with his family and did so many cool things. Like I know you had him at your recent concert and, you know, he's one of my favorite people on the planet. I love Matthew and we become good friends and just a guy like that, just, just love and support. So you just see all these cool things that have come out of that. So uh, for me, it was a tough year in that, but my, my greatest struggles, you know, definitely came with my wife and my struggles in that. And, you know, her almost leaving me and me needing to change and me needing to become a better person. And then of course, the toughest time is being a parent, right? I have a 23 and a 21 year old and just navigating that and guiding them and helping support them. And my son, which I mentioned in Sheldon, you know, he, he struggled this past spring with, you know, with COVID and not going to class and the isolation. And he was one of those people that, you know, there are a number of them that dealt with some mental health issues based on everything that was going on. And it came to the surface, you know, during that time, but it was also a great time to wrap our arms around, to be there for him, to support him. And now he's doing great. Like he's really thriving in so many ways. So just like Dak Prescott and others who, you know, admit that they went through tough times. Like everyone goes through it. Kevin Love, others, you know, uh, um, Osaka, you know, the women's tennis player struggling. So many people struggle in different ways. And so that was a struggle, just being a parent, not being able to control the situation, having to guide and help and support and be there, but, but feeling like you can't control everything. I would say that was probably the hardest thing. But again, it made me a better parent. It made me more compassionate, more loving. And I believe it's going to set my son up for a more positive future and make him stronger now as a result of that. So good comes out of bad if you have faith on that journey. But a lot of prayer, a lot of tears, yeah, a lot of tears, a lot of prayer, a lot of a lot of just asking for guidance and support, a lot of trust, and in times, moments of doubt yeah. and moments of, of concern, all of it. But it makes you human, and I know it's made me better as a result. Absolutely. All right. We always like to ask everybody this question, and it's because we call it enjoying the journey. If you could have anybody on this journey with you right now, who would it be? She's already with me, my wife. Yeah. I wouldn't I would I wouldn't I wouldn't pick any other person. Most important person you can choose is who you who you're gonna spend the rest of your life with. Absolutely. I mean, and I would say my wife is is the best. I would not be who I am without her. So it would definitely be her. I mean, of course, 
Jesus would be definitely my top, right. but you know, and of course, Abraham Lincoln would be another one. I would Ooh, love man. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. That would be cool to go on the, on the journey with him. Uh, yeah. I would, I would love that. Um, that's awesome. Matthew West playing some music while, while we're on the bus driving forward, but it has to be my wife first and foremost. Well, if I would have known that, I should have had you and Matthew at Rise Fest. I mean, that then you could have been on the bus and everything. That would be cool. Next time. Next next, next, next time, time I want to come. That's awesome. Well, we thank you so much. And as we wrap things up today, are there any takeaways you'd love for our listeners uh, to have today? Yeah, I want to share one. I think it's really important if you're listening to understand that your negative thoughts that are always coming in, which they are, mm -hmm. they're not coming from you. Who would ever choose to have a negative thought? Would you ever choose a negative thought? You wouldn't. No. Once you understand this and you recognize those negative thoughts are not coming from you, that negative thoughts are lies that will tell you things about yourself and your future that aren't true. The key then is to not believe the lies that they tell. Don't listen to those negative thoughts. Don't believe them. Understand when they come in. Okay, I recognize you. I, I see that you're here but I'm not going to give you attention. Instead, you want to speak truth to those lies. And the greatest advice I ever heard is from Dr. James Gills, the only person on the planet to complete six double Ironman triathlons, double Ironman, which means you do an Ironman, a day later, you do another one. Oh. Last time he did it, he was 59 years old. He was asked how he did it. He said this, I've learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. Ooh. He said, if I listen, I hear all the fear, the negativity, the doubt, the reasons why I can't finish this race. But if I talk to myself, I could feed myself with the words and the encouragement that I need to keep on moving forward. So that's why I want to leave people with that. Don't yeah. listen to yourself. Don't listen to those negative voices. Continually talk words of encouragement. Speak truth to those lies. Say what God says about you. Speak those words of encouragement. The word encourage means to put courage into. So when you're encouraging someone, you put encourage into them. When you're encouraging others, you're putting courage into them, right? You're encouraging yourself. Keep doing that. You're, you need it because discouragement will set in. And the enemy wants to discourage you with negative thoughts and fear and doubt. So always encourage yourself through that discouragement and you'll move forward in a positive way. When you feel like you can't go on, trust in the creator of the universe that has a plan for your life. God does. And honestly recognize that you can't save yourself and just be open. If, if you don't have a faith and you listen to this, just be open and just say, okay, if there is something to this Jesus, I'm open. Show me the signs. Just say that. God, show me the signs. Let God show you the signs. And if you are open and you start seeing signs, now you have to acknowledge them and then you have to take action on that. But just, that's my challenge to you. Just be open and say, show me the signs. I'm open, God. And I guarantee you'll start seeing some signs. Amen. John, we have been so blessed to have you on enjoying the journey today. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you came to Sheldon Iowa. We got to meet and thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We have been blessed. Thank you. Hey, Rob, great meeting you. And I just really loved meeting you. Loved visiting Sheldon. And guess what? I want to come back and I want to be at that concert. And I want to just say a few words on stage. Give me five minutes on stage. We can do it. We can do it. Done. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. 
Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.